On Monday, I brought you the first half of my conversation with Jack Bushman about the Seth Jones trade. Today, we're talking about the second half of this trade, and we are taking a look at uh, just how well the Blue Jackets did in this trade. That's coming up today on Locked on Blue Jackets. Locked on Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to bring you stories, news, excitement, and everything else that comes along with your favorite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked On Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and also over on YouTube. So uh, I appreciate you tuning in wherever you are listening or watching. Like I said at the top of the episode, uh, on Monday we talked a little bit about how Seth Jones did in Chicago this season, how he may never live up to the contract, but he's doing his best. And uh, in this episode, we've got Jack Bushman back and we're talking a little bit about the Blue Jackets prospects that got picked by them in the draft. We're talking a little bit about uh, just how good this trade was for Columbus. So uh, I'm just going to jump right on into it. We got a 23-year-old, a 21-year-old, two draft picks, one of whom played in the NHL at 18 years old, the other one who could play in the NHL this season. Like, yeah, Kyle Davidson must be cursing Stan Bowman's name on a <laughs> But this was such a Stan Bowman trade, I think. You know, it's selling the future for the present. You saw it happen with Brandon Saad. You saw it happen with Artemi Panarin involving Brandon Saad again. Um, <laughs> you saw it happen with Tevo Teravainen, who they traded to Carolina just to get rid of Brian Bickle's contract, I believe. One of the worst deals ever, yes. and there was a lot of them that he made. Yeah, that you know. One, uh, that one's horrible. <laughs> Phil Deneau, another. Yeah, I like Dale Weiss. Can you imagine Phil Deneau Tomas on the... We got Tomas Fleischman and Dale Weiss in that trade. <laughs> Absolutely absurd. Yeah, absolutely. Absurd. No, and it's just I think Stan Bowman got a lot of credit for being for building the team that won three Stanley Cups in five years. I do wonder how much of that was just pure dumb luck, and also the fact that Patrick Kane, Duncan Keith, and Corey Crawford decided that they were willing this team to three Stanley Cups. But that's that's beside the point. We could do a whole episode on oh. Stan Bowman's failings as a as a GM. Um, I do think that I will say in terms of. This trade, I think it could have ended up being worse for the Blackhawks. And I think it's... And uh, Mark Lazarus did a, an article on this that I really liked. The pick was, I believe, top two protected. So if the yes. Blackhawks had um, picked in the first two two picks of this draft, the pick would have reverted to a 2023 yeah. first-round pick unprotected. And when you look at the talent in the next... Like, this was a... This was a stronger draft than the 2021 draft. The 2023 draft, um, from all by all accounts, there are eight guys that could go in the top three of the draft. I mean, you've got the Connor Bedard, you've got Mishkov, you've got Fantilli. Like those are the guys that can change a franchise. And you can just imagine if the Blackhawks had ended up picking top two in this draft, picked up, I don't know, Logan Cooley or Uri yeah. Sapkowski or Shane Wright. Those are phenomenal players. 
but you could I don't think that they take the blue the Blackhawks out of being a lottery team next season. And so yeah, it sucks to give up that sixth overall. It sucks to give up David Yerichek, who I think is gonna be a very, very good defenseman in this league. But you have by doing that protected the possibility of a Connor Bedard or a Mishkov or a Fantelli, all three of which I do genuinely think could be a the next franchise player for the Blackhawks. Yeah. Twenty the twenty twenty three draft is going to be a big one for the Blackhawks. I currently have two first round picks, but I think they're going to wind up with three or four, honestly, especially if Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane aren't going to be finishing the season in Chicago. Uh, so yes, somehow um, a lot of Blackhawks fans are going to be listening to this and be like, it could have been worse. Yes, it actually yeah, could have been. A little, a little silver lining in this trade is yes, it actually could have been if, a if you somehow wound up with Shane Wright, then you wouldn't be getting, you wouldn't be in the mix for Connor Bedard. You know, yeah. and I think giving up, especially because I think the Blue Jackets are going to be pretty good this season. I can't see them picking in the top ten if they turn around and make the playoffs and then end up getting Connor Bedard. Anyway, <laughs> like that would have been, I think, just that might have been the end of many, many Blackhawks fans, just completely. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a real cherry on top. Um, but I definitely wanted to ask you a couple questions about uh, Adam Boquist and Cole Sillinger as well. Um, one thing I noticed with Cole Sillinger too, 16 goals this season, all of them were scored at even strength as an 18 year old. That is damn impressive. I mean, to not just be pot and power play goals when he's being set up and that's, you know, padding the stats a little bit. No, 16 goals at even strength as an 18 year old is wildly impressive. And I think, um, that was kind of, uh, what the Blackhawks liked in him as well, that he was one of those players who had the game to be ready early Maybe he's not going to be an offensive wizard like a top pick would be, but it seems like he has a well-rounded game. He's a bigger kid, correct? I'm trying to recall. Yeah, he's about six two, I think, and pretty yeah. pretty stocky. I don't know his weight off the top of my head. He's but like, he's I remember, nice. I remember him having the frame to be ready to play in the NHL fairly early. So, um, yeah, it would be nice to have him in the prospect pool. But uh, what I wanted to ask you about Adam Boquist too. Um, he actually had, out of his 11 goals that he had this year, eight of them were at even strength as well. We know the offensive talent is there, and I'm sure you were probably falling in love with it when you saw the goals that he was scoring this year. But I want the biggest question that Blackhawks fans had about him is, is he ever truly going to be a top-pairing defenseman? Now, I know it's a little hard to gauge at 21 years old, but when he was in Chicago, there, there were some concerns about the defensive ability, and he's not a bigger guy doesn't have a big frame 5'10 5'11 and defense has never been the name of his game and I think that was kind of you know the concern about taking him at eighth with the eighth overall selection like the Blackhawks did will he ever truly be a top pairing guy what is kind of your opinion on that after seeing uh Boquist in his first year with the Blue Jackets I it's, it's really interesting and I think the the interesting thing is you've got to look at the defense of the Columbus Blue Jackets, it all runs through Zach Wierenski. And previous to that, it was Zach Wierenski and Seth Jones. They were the top pairing. Zach Wierenski was the offensive guy. Seth Jones was the kind of more well-rounded two-way guy. It's kind of flipped a little bit. Zach Wierenski has had to be kind of that two-way guy. He's had to be more of a defensive guy. I don't think his offense necessarily suffered for that, but it does mean that it does open up that role of guy that doesn't necessarily have to be the best defenseman we can put him out there he can go and score even strength and that's what you saw is you saw at a just 
being all over the offensive zone, like getting behind the opponent's net, like a true rover in hockey. And it's really, really fun to see um, in terms of him being a top pairing guy. And again, I think, I don't think we need Anna Boquist to be a top pairing guy. I think he can be an elite second pairing guy on this team, especially if you look at like, honestly, the way I've kind of been looking at the, the defense shaping up this season is if David Juracek makes it into this league, I could see him being Zakarensky's partner this season. Maybe not starting there, but I think he could definitely finish there. And that leaves Boquist and Vlasov Gavrikov, who is um, our Nicholas Jarmelson, our shutdown guy, our, you know, just really steady guy that you don't have to worry about. Put Boquist with him. Let Boquist go and do his offensive magic and, you know, dance around people and score these beautiful highlight reel goals. Put him on the second pairing. Shelter him from those tough top-line minutes that Wierenski's going to get. And I could see him being a 20-goal scorer for this team. In a minute, I've got more of my conversation with Jack. But first, I've got to tell you about Athletic Greens, uh, because this is a product I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because I wanted better gut health. I wanted more energy. Uh, I hate taking pills and vitamins. And I kind of wanted to see what the hype was about. I've been taking it for a few months now. And uh, honestly, I love it. So what is AG1? With one delicious scoop, you are absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend supports gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, uh, aging, basically everything that you want your supplements to do. AG1 will do it for you. It's lifestyle friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. And uh, AG1 is a micro habit with big benefits. It's just something that you can do every day to help take care of yourself. So right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. Just one scoop in a cup of water every day. That is it. There's no need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And that's kind of funny because we talked earlier about how expectations can change people's view of players. If Adam Boquist doesn't have to be a top player or top pairing defenseman in Columbus, I feel like that takes a little bit of pressure off of his shoulders and also the fans can truly just appreciate what he's able to do offensively because he doesn't have to be that rock in the defensive zone. You can use him in a good spot, as you said, on the second pairing with Gavrikov, who knows how to shut things down in his own zone and kind of, I mean, I don't want to, this may sound rude, but kind of out of nowhere became like a solidified NHL defenseman. I didn't really hear anything about him coming up until, oh, all of a sudden this guy's playing every day and he's doing a pretty good job. So I feel like that's a very good spot for a young Adam Boquist to be in, right? Especially you could build the defensive, like he doesn't have to be and won't be the focal point of the defense. In Chicago, he was always the top defenseman prospect. And that, you know, if he's not a top pairing guy, then Blackhawks fans, oh, well, he, he was a waste of the eighth overall pick. You know, it changed, it changes how people view players given the situation that they're in. And in Columbus, I feel like he, he's just going to have such a greater opportunity to 
thrive with what he does well. Like you said, just be a rover out there. He can score from crazy angles. He can make things happen in the offensive zone. And if he's not, you know, a shutdown defenseman or isn't, you know, uh, capable of getting the job done to the highest levels in the defensive zone, you don't have to use him as that. You have other pieces uh, now and coming up in, in the system for the next couple of years. So I feel like that's a much better spot for Adam Boquist to be in than it was for Chicago, where he was really looked at as the guy who was going to, you know, people were hoping that he was going to change the way that the Blackhawks were playing and was going to be this defenseman that he just truly isn't. It feels like he can be the defenseman that he truly is and is meant to be with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Yeah, definitely. I feel like Chicago kind of looked at him as, okay, this is going to be the next Duncan Keith. And unfortunately, it's very, very hard to live up to being the next Duncan Keith, even though his, he kind of fell off a cliff the past few seasons. Like, and, uh, you know, we've talked about this before. My brief fray into Blackhawks fandom between 2013 <laughs> 2015, you know, like Duncan Keith at his peak was, I think, the best player on that team. You know, like you, you could make arguments for Jonathan Taze. I think most people would make an argument for Patrick Kane. For my money, Duncan Keith was the best player on that team between 2013, 2015. That's actually, that was a that's actually, shoes to fill. That's actually you know? funny that you say that because, so Kyle Davidson, new general manager for the Blackhawks, he's worked a bunch of different jobs in the organization for the last 10 years before being promoted to GM. And he was talking about how one of his jobs in 2015 before like analytics and all that data was really a big thing. It's still not even that big in hockey, like it is in baseball or anything, but it was even, it was even worse back then. Uh, but his job was to like record shifts of certain players. Like he'd watch every shift of this player. And he said the biggest takeaway that he had from that job was Duncan Keith. He said was the best player he's ever seen. Like watching Duncan Keith in 2015, he said, that's the best player I've ever seen. And, oh man, I mean, it, we were truly gifted to watch that Duncan Keith, and we knew how amazing he was, and it was just happening night in, night out, especially in that 2015 playoff run, like playing 30, 31 minutes a game. We go into triple overtime. He's playing 50, 60 minutes. I mean, the conditioning was just at a different level, and he truly revolutionized the the game as a defenseman. I mean, he was really the first to be that five foot ten, five foot eleven, not a big frame guy who's the number one defenseman, and we're seeing more and more of that come into the league as the game's only becoming more filled with skill and speed. And yeah, I think it, I don't want to say Blackhawks fans were comparing him to Duncan Keith because that's a bar that's just like not going to be met, you know, but yeah, exactly. The, the game that Adam Boquist plays, it was similar to like that great Duncan Keith where the skating is going to take over and he's going to make great passes in the offensive zone, run the power play. And if it didn't happen in, Two years, you know, Adam Boquist came in at 18, 19. Another guy who was probably rushed along, shouldn't have even been in the NHL at that point. Now Blackhawks fans have concerns about his game, even though he's, you know, still a baby. He can't even drink alcohol. And that, again, changed the pers perspective. And some people, I, I have one of my buddies, ugh, I hope he doesn't even watch this episode because he would just call Adam Boquist a bust just to piss me off because he knew how much he got under my skin. I'm like, bro. Same thing with Kirby Doc. It's like you can't call a 20, 21-year-old a bust. We have no goddamn idea what's going to happen here. But, yeah, man, it's just crazy. I think the perspective of this deal, like not, not the deal because we all know the Blackhawks lost it. There's no perspective besides that one. But the perspective of the players that were involved in it, singularly for Adam Boquist and Seth Jones, it feels like now – 
Boquist can go and be free in Columbus and, like I said, do what he does best and play to the strengths of his game. And now Seth Jones, because he's got that $9.5 million contract, he's expected to be the best defenseman in the world. And if he comes up anything short of that, it's not going to be good enough. So, yeah, it's it's a wild situation. Um, and I wish I was in your spot because this one really cost the Blackhawks badly, Jay. Really cost the Blackhawks badly. The yeah, the thing about the thing about Seth Jones as well, you know, you talk about the contract and it, it's such a, a weird kind of thought process because I am always of the opinion that players should be paid as much as possible. Like you want to go out and get ten million dollars a year, go for it, you know? Like I am always on the side of the players. But on the other hand, I do think he's never gonna live up to that contract. Which is tough because he's a very, very good defenseman, and like you said, you know, what would the what would the people in Chicago be saying if he was making eight eight point five a year? You know that uh, it sounds crazy to be like it's only a million and a half dollars. That's so much money, but especially the, when you're getting right? paid more than Kale McCarr. <laughs> yeah, know? exactly. If he was making Kale McCarr money, like it would be, there wouldn't be even be uh, an option to be upset about this deal. I don't think, like. In a minute, I'm going to finish off my conversation with Jack about the Seth Jones trade. But first, I want to tell you about betonline.net. Is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your betting needs. You can find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. You can find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, uh, even things like golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in game betting, scores, and podcasts. They've got you covered for everything you need. So head to Bet Online today. That is betonline.com. Net, or you can use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today because Bet Online is where the game starts. It's, I don't know, it's it's really tough because I do think players should be paid as much as they physically can be, and I think that they earn that. But on the other side, I think, yeah, it, it's tough. And then, you know, we're kind of seeing it in in Columbus as well, in that Zach Kerensky signed a very similar deal. I think it, he, he signed for like 38,000 more than <laughs> per year or some kind of... It, it's Such a middle a finger. Such a middle number, finger. He's based, for all intents and purposes, he's making $9.5 million. And again, I think we're going to see the same kind of critiques come out of Wierenski's overpaid and therefore useless and terrible. And I'm like, no, that's not... A player can be good and still be overrated or overhyped or overpaid or whatever. And I think that's the thing that people struggle with. In, in terms of valuing contracts is that as soon as they are overpaid or overrated, then they are useless. And that's just not, that's not how this works. I think it's, it's, it's tough to look at a contract and be truly unbiased towards it because so much plays into what, what that contract really means for the player, for the team, for the fans. You know, I think it means it's something different to everyone. So I, I really hope that Seth Jones succeeds this year i think he i hope he has a, a much it feels weird to say i hope he had a better i hope he has a better season because i think he had a pretty good season yeah he was fine year. but he was yeah he was fine and on a truly awful blackhawks team fine i think is probably about as good as you can hope for Honestly, <laughs> you know like I, i've been there i have seen some truly awful blue jackets teams over the past eight or nine years of of following this team fine sometimes fine is as good as it's gonna get and you have to be okay with that Absolutely. And 
Yeah, people, I, I just think, are, are so hypocritical of players and contract situations. Like, what? You're not going to go and get the bag? You're not going to suck the team for every penny that you're trying right. to? Are you going to go into that room and be like, hey, actually, I don't deserve $9.5 million. Please give me $6 million and uh, and then trade me to Ottawa halfway through the contract. Like, that's just not... Yeah, you know what? I don't really like I don't really like money. I don't really care. I, I don't like money, you know? Like, what do you expect them to say? And shouldn't, like, I feel like, well, I know it's... A little more difficult now that Stan Bowman's not here, but people should be mad at Stan Bowman. What are you giving Seth Jones that kind of offer for, baby? Like, what is you doing? You know what I mean? Like, okay, I, I get it. That's what it probably was going to take to lure him here, but we all know that was a million, million and a half too much. And like you said, doesn't sound like a big difference, but that's the difference between being top two, top three, highest paid defenseman in the league and being, you know, 10 to 20, like Seth Jones probably should be. And that changes the perspective of how people view him. But yeah, it's wild that people have that hatred towards a player for signing a contract when they would do the exact same thing. It's, right. it's like very if, odd. If you turned up yes tomorrow and were like, hey, sign this contract for nine and a half million dollars for the next eight years, but the catch is people are gonna yell at you on Twitter every single game because you're bad at hockey, I would be like, I don't care. It's nine and a half million dollars, you know? And True. it's, yeah, I think people expect players to accept what the team thinks they're worth, which is always going to be, like, I'm sure if, if the team had their way, then Seth Jones would be probably making six, maybe seven million, you know, he'd be on one of the ridiculous Duncan Keith contracts, <laughs> five, five and a half million for 18 years or whatever it was, which obviously is now illegal, but it's, yeah, people... People get angry at the players for being like, yes, I would like lots of money, please. When they would, do, like you said, they would do exactly the same thing. Right. It's wild. And one last thought before I think we're ready to wrap this up. We're pushing on 40 minutes here. But um, kind of funny because one thing that came to my mind, you said, I hope Seth Jones has a better season next year. And the thing with Blackhawks fans is, do we want Seth Jones to have a good season next year? Because don't we want to be horrible? Don't we want to have a chance at being in the top three? We want to be bad next year. That's the goal. We should want to be bad. But then if Seth Jones plays bad, people are going to hate on him, even though it's probably helping out the Blackhawks. It's a very weird circumstances the team is in right now. Kyle Davidson is never going to say it publicly, but they don't want to win. They want a highest possible chance of selecting in that top three. If you finish dead last in the NHL in the regular season standings, you got a guaranteed top three pick. And hopefully – that will lead to the number one overall selection with Connor Bedard because that is a move that would kickstart the Blackhawks rebuild in the right direction. We really need that. Even any of those players in the top three feel like they're going to be a, a potential piece that can change the way a team goes about their business. And those that's the players that can kickstart your rebuild one, two years down the line immediately. Absolutely. No, Connor Bedard is maybe not McDavid, but he might be the closest to McDavid since. 2015 right and you know and i understand the concept of tanking as like in general i hate it and again oh, I, I know my last did a really good article on how miserable it is and like again i have watched a lot of very very bad blue jackets teams losing sucks i hate watching the team lose i've been talking a lot to uh laura and scott the host the hosts of uh locked on canadians canadians were miserable to watch this season they were just awful and it's just it's no fun 
So I, I can understand, you know, the team wanting to lose, but I don't, and I can understand the fans being like, yeah, we want to lose for a good draft pick, but it's going to be, it's just going to be bad. It's going to be horrible to experience because lose, like winning is fun. And I always want players to, to win. I want players to succeed. I want the team to succeed. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe other fans are, are stronger than me in terms of being <laughs> able to want, uh, but I'm, I don't know. I like, I like the instant gratification of, Hey, we beat this really good team, even though it maybe hurts us in the, in the grand scheme of things. Like, um, again, when the, the, probably the worst season that I've watched of the Blue Jackets would have been when they were, uh, it would have been when they drafted uh, Dubois third overall. So they were in the running for Austin Matthews. And I was like, man, we could get Austin Matthews. But losing really, really sucks. And I want to win more, you know? So it's, I would rather win now than tank because I just, I, I hate tanking. It's bad. And it should feel bad about itself as a concept. Yeah, it's a terrible concept, and it really doesn't guarantee you anything. I mean, look at the Detroit Red Wings. How many times did they pick sixth or seventh when they were terrible? I mean, it doesn't it doesn't guarantee you anything, but uh, I think for the Blackhawks, they, they kind of have no choice but to head in that direction now. I mean, there's no half the team from last year. We don't have Dylan Strom, who was our best center. We don't have Alex DeBrinkett, two-time 40-goal scorer. We don't have Kirby Dock. We don't have Dominic Kubalik. I mean, it's going to be pretty bad, especially after the trade deadline. I mean, it is going to be the Rockford Blackhawks. That's literally what it's going to be for the second half of the season. So I don't love the tanking concept either because it literally guarantees you nothing in this league. Um, but I think the Blackhawks with the moves they've made, they they can't win even if they try to. But knowing how, things, thing, I think knowing how first I have been since I've started covering this team, the Blackhawks will be like 500 and we'll have like the – 17th overall pick in next year's draft and i'll be like oh of course that's just how things have been going since i decided to cover this team it was like i grew up in the glory days that's what made me love this love this game get out of college i'm like oh you know blackhawks is kind of my life and it's made for a very sad life the last two or three years jay but um 2023 nhl draft the Blackhawks hopefully will have a chance to expedite the process a little bit because four to five years of losing sounds miserable yes it's been it's been rough uh but yeah hopefully the blue jackets on the upward swing uh for people who want to maybe catch up with seth jones next season or i don't know maybe they just want to enjoy the black hawk suffering uh where can people find you and your show yeah, if you love pain like I do, uh, go check out Locked On Blackhawks. You can find it wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to check out the Twitter account, uh, it's where episodes are posted every day at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks. For me, myself, you can check me out on Twitter at Jack Bushman, too, for Blackhawks stuff. And it's kind of the, the weird point of the summer where not a lot, whole lot is going on. So you'll probably get some uh, golf stuff and football seasons around the corner, too. So fantasy football stuff, if you have any interest in that, you can go give me a follow if you want to. And that's all I've got for you today. Uh, on Friday, we will be starting our season review of defensemen. So we'll be starting off with number two himself, Andrew Peak. That's what's going to be happening on Friday's episode. We'll take a look at his season, how he can improve 
on his game this season, uh, maybe where he'll be playing in the lineup because there's a lot of new defensemen that are going to be looking for some ice time. So that's all coming up uh, next episode. I've been Jay Foster. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find this podcast at L-O underscore Blue Jackets. If you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at LockedOnBlueJackets at gmail.com. Thank you once again for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked on Blue Jackets is always going to be free and available on uh, all podcast platforms and also over on YouTube. You're never going to have to get behind a paywall for a Locked on product. And uh, that's our promise to you. So until Friday, make sure you stay locked on.